Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Scarlet Witch, your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me today is my vision. Adam Sass. Hi, Adam. Hi. Are you excited to talk WandaVision? It's upon us. I have been anticipating this for quite a long time. <laughs> um, ready to jump into this, and um, I think we have been joined, oh no, by two, two nosy, wacky neighbors. First up, <laughs> Geraldine's wig. Hey, it's Stephanie Williams, or Hi, also Steph- Geraldine's Hi. wig. <laughs> <laughs> the wig of wigs. Um, we are also joined by Mr. Hart. Hello, this is Brett White. What's up? (laughs) I am so glad to have both of you here as guests for this first WandaVision episode. We're going to be talking about episodes one and two since they both dropped on the same day. Um, I will say I think it benefited from having both of these episodes able to watch back to back. Um, What did you what did you all think? Um, I've been having (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, I definitely like. I definitely think it was one of those things. I mean, I've heard from multiple people that like they're very, very glad that they dropped one and two at the same time because it really feels like um, it's. It would have been very teasy to just leave it at step one. Yeah, but um, I found the whole thing to be. I mean, and we're going to get into this, but um, I'll I'll take something that isn't Lynchian and say how it's Lynchian. Um, so I'm very excited to jump in and uh, to something that is very much in conversation with Lynch. Um, to talk about the ways in which it is. Um, yeah, Brett, what did you what did you think about the first two episodes being together? I mean, this is uh, I I could have just taken the first one and then just like chewed on that for months. Like this is um, my perfect thing to ever exist. Like it's just. I've had dozens of people either texting me or tweeting at me. Did you make this? What is happening? And it feels like this is actually my WandaVision. Like I am the the trauma of 2020. <laughs> I am escaping that by now this has been created and I'm now in this. Uh, I've loved sitcoms and Marvel for 30 years. Um, so <laughs> this is uh absolutely perfect i almost like i ended the week i did like a week of coverage and i ended the week with kind of a weird depression migraine from loving this show too much it's been very strange <laughs> you got too excited <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, i mean doing and doing like recaps and like writing analysis of this show especially okay so like as someone that covers television them dropping two episodes at once was like thanks guys thanks double my work thank you um <laughs> It's just drawing on all of my scholarly knowledge of classic sitcoms and also Marvel lore. And it's just double duty. And it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. (laughs) I I will say I got worried when they were like suddenly like, oh, we're dropping two episodes. I was like, oh, please don't drop the whole season at once because I was supposed to cover it for my podcast. And what the fuck am I going to (laughs) do? No. Um, Although I do feel like a show like this would be an easy binge for like a weekend. Like it would be a really good weekend binge. Um, I mean, of course, I mean, I could, I could, I could have binged both of those episodes seven times in one day. Like, I mean, like, I love that we're, we have this incomplete knowledge of this world. It's, It's very fitting. I love it. They gave for everyone that was doing the press junket, they gave all of us the first three episodes. Um, but they were like, you have them for a day. 
Oh. <laughs> like you have like missed like Mission Impossible. You have them for 24 hours. And I was like, oh, OK. So I watched the first three episodes three times in one day and it was perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> holy shit, I can't believe you had them for a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Adam, this uh, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is very up like I knew Brett, it was up your alley because of the sitcom shit. I was like, ooh, this is like me. Like, it's like a dream for you, Brett. Like, I, I it feels right. like, again, I understand why friends were texting you being like, did you make this? Um, but then, like, the Lynch, like, vibes of it, I was like, ooh, Adam's gonna love yeah, the not knowing. I mean, in general, I love um, incomplete storytelling, intentionally incomplete storytelling and um because i again i i've I've very much said this before about twin Peaks season three anything lynch anything anything that's even in that realm of style is i really really like every other mystery type show movie whatever um ends up feeling like um like a crossword puzzle that they hand you with everything already filled in um and this is just great because i love being able to do a little bit of the work um, I love that I have to kind of do the work myself. I love that I have to basically um, get into this and um, watch these scenes, like these dinner scenes that go on like for like a spookily long time. Um, and that there's these sort of lingering shots and you can definitely tell when they've broken from, like they're into such a tight um, sitcom, old sitcom style. And then, it's so disquieting when they suddenly go into a, like an intimate close up, which is just not sitcom at all. Like if you just feel how like unnerving that is on its own. Yeah. I, also, Adam, you sounded like Lisa Simpson when, why she likes it. It's like, I like doing the homework. So I like the show. <laughs> like the homework. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll get into the episode itself. The first episode, uh, I felt like it's been so long. I mean, this is probably lame, but like it's been so long since we had like a fun Marvel thing that like even just seeing the opening Marvel, I was like, I'm so excited. I feel like great about this. I'm like, I don't know. I felt it was like nice, right? Well, I mean, the last time we saw a Marvel thing was like two lifetimes ago. So yeah, this was this was nice. Because the last one was Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I didn't. I felt very medium about. Eh. I haven't seen it yet, actually. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, um, yeah. And so I was definitely surprised. Like, my first note is, wow, they're really committing to the sitcom thing. Um, Like, I was surprised at how long the sitcom bits went on. It almost felt like, for me, I wanted a little bit more of the injection of, like, the thing we got in episode two of like the speaker, like I wanted more of like a little bit like hints of that, but um, I don't know, Stephanie, what'd you, what'd you think? I, I, I don't know where you fall on the sitcom spectrum. I know where Brett and Adam do. Uh, what did you think of like their like commitment to that? Oh, I loved it. Um, Cause yeah. I'm like living heroes. Uh, this is me like kind of <laughs> seeing how that could work. Um, if it were ever to like, you know, be a TV series, but I absolutely True. enjoyed it. And I think the reason why I did is because, you know, Marvel, as soon as I'm credits roll at the beginning, like something is exploding. And I love it was <laughs> actually kind of relaxing a little bit to not have that happen. And even though the first episode, like they really stick to the sitcom bit the entire the entire way through until like the the last what eight minutes or so. 
Um, I loved it because I just think that there's so much that can be done with Wanda's character in such a low stakes setting, even though it's really not low stakes because clearly um, like something bigger and worse is going on. So um, no, I loved it. And also like just their all around understanding of, um, you know, the sitcoms that they were emulating in these first two episodes. It's just, I don't know. I love it. Like, I just feel like that actually, uh, I've seen some folks have uh, things to say about the writing, but I'm like, actually, I think the writing is superb if they were able to emulate and infuse this into Marvel. Like, I just feel like that just takes so much creativity. And again, like I was in heaven. And not to... (laughs) You didn't. You didn't give yourself enough of a promo, Stephanie. Living Heroes oh, is Stephanie's comic book <laughs> that she uh, you did on. What did you do it on Kickstarter? Yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter. Um, and you should all check it out. It's give a little brief description of it because it does. You're right. It does fit into like kind of the vibe of this. So, Living Heroes is a mashup of um, some Marvel superheroines and Living Single. So I just put them in a setting of if they were these living single characters. And again, it's very low stakes, but, you know, some things are getting said. And this WandaVision, like, really reminded me of that. And I was like, wow, so this can be done. Like, this can actually be a thing that is just not just a fan comic or um, just a web comic or anything like that. Like, people would hopefully be interested in this. So I was, again, I was living. I'm fine with that because like, that was something where, <clears throat> like, both WandaVision and the End Living Heroes as well, like, just feels like um, it's way beyond, like, oh, they're doing a TV parody. Like, it doesn't feel like a mere parody. It feels, like, just kind of greater than that. Like, it feels like there's way more commitment to channel. It feels like it's channeling it rather than, like, like we're fully sending something up. Yes, yeah, you know, and I think... More. I think, yeah, for me, I will, like, while I'm not as big of a sitcom fan, I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. I've seen people same stuff. I've seen people say, like, they didn't like the writing, but, like, it's very on purpose, intentional. Yeah, what is not, what's not to like about the writing? Honestly, (laughs) like, who are these, who are these boring-ass people? I can't remember the last time I, I put on a Marvel thing and the opening scene it does isn't like doesn't feel like it was approved by the US armed forces. Yeah, that is the that's the thing that like drives me crazy about any discourse around this is like y'all, I mean, how much can I swear because I will go off on motherfuckers. Uh, it's the perfect thing to drop during this. But no, but it's just like, like um we're not going to do the Militarization love kind of thing back yet again. Well, it's like they'll they'll set people will sit through a 15 hour like Luke Cage season two, Jessica Jones season three. You know, like those were some fucking slogs. (laughs) Like people will Mm -hmm. sit through those, but it's like the instant that you ask them, can you you can't sit through literally 22 minutes? Like there's like eight (laughs) minutes of commercial or of um credits in that first episode, and it's like y'all can't through 22 minutes of actors being so charming (laughs) so overwhelmingly charming like go i don't know like it's like y'all check your life like fucking have have some fun for once people don't have any taste that's the problem they have no taste we are Um. on the same page i tweeted something out and all of a sudden like i had like four or five people talk about the writing because I brought up Doom Patrol because WandaVision has given me Doom Patrol energy and I love 
Doom Patrol. And people are like, well, Doom Patrol has top tier writing. And I'm like, who says this isn't top tier writing? Also, we've only gotten two episodes. So again, I'm not understanding if you like Doom Patrol and you don't like this or you're being nitpicky about this, then like, is it Uchi Wally or is it One Mike? Like, what are we talking about? And like, as someone that like, I watch a lot of modern multicam sitcoms and they're yeah. bad. There is something about the energy of multicam sitcoms, the big bangification, the the Disney Channel, Nickelodeon kid, like everyone is doing that Drake and Josh mugging to the camera acting, which if you watch Dick Van Dyke show, Seinfeld, Golden Girls, like. Yeah, their subtlety and nuance to those performances, like they're quieter, they're more restrained. And the watching this and seeing the way that Paul Bettany, who is a dramatic actor, was totally channeling this old Dick Van Dyke vibe where he wasn't mugging to the camera. Everything seemed so natural. He was just like, it's just perfect. And like, this is a, I think this is the best multicam sitcom that has been produced in uh, <laughs> five, five, ten years, like a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the agree. thing with sitcoms that like, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, somebody who like, I mean, I've seen probably like every sitcom that ever was, <laughs> shamefully probably so, that um, it's it just, it's, it's artificial on purpose. It is creating a protective world. Um, and that's clearly going to be the point of this Mm -hmm. show is that there is a artificial protective world that is either trapping them or protecting them from something, probably both. Um, and, and that's going to be slowly peeled away, but you can't slowly peel that away if you don't create that artificial world first. Exactly. Appreciate the slow burn. Appreciate it because we don't still a lot. And it's still a slow burn that is so much faster. Like I watched all three seasons of Runaways and it's like they did not fully run away until the end of season one. And it's like, (laughs) what are we doing? (laughs) Nobody's running yet. (laughs) Like we are, you know, we're at the end of episode two and we're, I don't know what, 45 minutes into this world. And we're already like, the walls are cracking. We've seen multiple sword logos. Like we like things are happening. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so to be the to be the the smooth brain one in this group, <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> I will say that I I just needed a little bit more only because I'm not a big sitcom person, and I and I don't say that as like a snob. Like I don't. It's just whatever. It's like so I don't think are like saying it like they are snobs. Right. Yeah. On. Yeah. Twitter. Yes. So, so anyway, Ian's um, point is he does not own a television, but he's very <laughs> glad that you enjoy it. I've never watched television before. <laughs> um, but like, as a person who's like not as into, and I watched all of them, you know, like I'm <clears throat> of an age where like all that was on late at night was like Nick at Night, right? So I watched all of those sitcoms. I really liked Mary Tyler Moore as a young fag because, of course, I did. It's perfect. Um, Still perfect. All, all there, all there was. That's all, all we need. <laughs> yeah but like so i used to always watch those shows a lot as a kid um and i remember in my brain i thought mary tyler moore was like she divorced dick van dyke and then went to the city like i thought that's, that's what literally the- what they were afraid of and why they made her have a broken engagement instead of divorced because it was really? originally yes originally she was going to be divorced in the first episode and the networks were like no 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 no. people are going to think she divorced dick van dyke you have to make it a broken engagement <laughs> i so, she just really, leaves that kid forever as a kid i really that's what i assumed happened and then later as an adult i was like oh i just assumed that it was the same actor i didn't know that they were actually even worried about that 
Yes. That's funny. Um, but so, yeah, so I have watched all of them. Um, but even for me, I just needed like a little pinch of the dread that sets in in the um, dinner scene. I, Elizabeth Olsen is doing, I think her and Paul Bettany are doing some great acting because they're doing two different, like he still has on his very detailed vision makeup in this black and white setting at points, right? Mm-hmm. And like, he's doing like wacky neighbor, but also a fucking robot. Um, and she's doing like, you know, 50s sitcom housewife, but then breaks sometimes and has those moments of like dread and like her trauma coming back to her where she's confused about what the fuck is going on. And it just feels relatable. I just, in that first episode, I needed like a pinch more of that. Um, well, I would say, just, to, to, don't you think though that like they brought that in? I felt, I felt like they brought it in pretty much right away with that. They weren't, even though they weren't like acting it, I think the story beat really started to get kind of, kind of unsettling when there was this like i know eventually it did find out this way but it was like the, oh there's a date yeah. that we don't know what this date is like there there seemed to be immediately this like lack of knowledge like they had just moments before woken up in this world when everyone keeps asking them quite like as soon as katherine hahn agnes walks in she's just like oh so you're single like no i married them why don't you have a ring like there's it really does feel like when they drive in when they drive up to the house in the opening credits, like they're literally like that first thing. Like they've been in this reality for literally 30 seconds is what it feels like. I love this show. So I just even hearing that again, I'm just like, Oh, it's good. Or like when she opens the fridge and there's nothing in it, it's like, Oh, he doesn't eat food. I'm like, but girl, don't you eat? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there's like all these like little things, like, like all of this, like, um, you know, ad agency place he's working at or whatever. Um, and everyone is like, oh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Hart, Mr. This, and then Vision. Like it's just so crazy. <laughs> that, like no one's no one's acknowledging that his name is Vision. It's not Mr. They're not going to Mr. Vision or whatever. Like yeah. they're just agreeing to the rules of this reality. And I find that so wonderfully creepy. Yeah. Also, the fact that um, we don't know whether it's her or someone else, but let's just say and assume that it is her. Um, <laughs> how creepy is it that for her daydream or her reality that she's creating or whatever that she would pick to emulate classic American sitcoms? Like, it's all of them so steeped in cis heteronormative, uh, just ways of life, all these things like that right there is creepy as hell to me because of all the things that you could do, this is the thing that you choose to do. And I'm like, wow, you, man, when Thanos snatched those batteries up out of Vision's head, like you were really, that really sent you into a tailspin. And like, it's very Twilight Zone for me. You just described my entire 2020 because this is literally what I've been doing for the last year is watching nothing but old sitcoms because uh, the world's a nightmare. Oh my God. So so it's funny that you bring up Twilight Zone because literally my mom. So, you know, my mom's 74. She's not the demographic for a lot of these things, but my mom likes anything where like women are fighting. Like that's why my mom likes Buffy. My mom, you know, my mom liked Captain Marvel a lot. And my mom's favorite moment in Endgame was Scarlet Witch being like, you will, and like using her powers. That was so good. I I also like, I love Scarlet Witch of Vision, even going before into this. I don't know, not to derail you at all. Sorry, I just got very (laughs) passionate. But I'm also like, people saying like, oh, they took the two most boring characters. I'm like, for some reason, for some (laughs) reason, I don't know 
know why, but that one little scene in Infinity War of them in fucking like Scotland, like stealing yeah. those moments. Yeah. I love them. I don't know why. I don't know what has happened, but I really love them. <laughs> she but, is married so- to the ultimate vibrator. Like, what is there not to love about that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> he can get <laughs> hard and soft. Like, okay. <laughs> It's like having Mr. Fantastic, but he, but it's like having Mr. Fantastic, but you can tell him to like reboot and shut down. <laughs> so back to your mother, uh, Ian. Yeah, yes. sorry. <laughs> I totally derailed that. <laughs> so, so my mom was like, I don't understand what that's about. Cause it's still her, right? With the powers, but she's in the twilight zone. And that was what my mom thought from the trailers. Um, and I was like, well, you're not too far off, but it's kind of like she's in the old sitcoms you used to watch. And I guess there's a little bit of Twilight Zone in there. So my mom was like, oh, I don't want to watch it. I feel like it'll scare me. The Twilight Zone scared me. <laughs> <Nail it. laughs> um, but I thought that was like, yeah, that she made that comparison, like just because she didn't understand the trailers. Um, and yeah, I hadn't, I actually hadn't even thought of like that kind of comparison till she said that. And so it's funny that you brought that up because it does have like a little bit of like, you are this super powered human, but like, you're in your world you're just like this like you have this like very normie life um that's like you know the worst thing going on in that pocket of reality is like the like mean neighbor who wants the committee to be perfect and like that's kind of well let's why don't we real quick like talk about like theories because we don't super 100 know yet what this place is like is it being done to her is this her trauma dream is this where she went between the snap and uh, her endgame fight? Is this some like nether region between? Like, is this being done to her? Is she controlling it? What's up? I mean, I I think it's... So, uh, Catherine Hahn is playing Agatha Harkness or they want us to... It's a misdirect because... Well, first of all, the brooch that she's wearing around her neck, like Agatha Harkness always has this like thing around her neck and Catherine has it around her neck in the first episode. She has it on her cardigan in the second episode. Um, And then also like if you can't cast Catherine Han, you want to cast her as a all powerful witch. And then also apparently from footage we've seen from future episodes, I don't know which one there is her in a stereotypical pointy hat, witch outfit. Right. (laughs) So I mean, my theory also the fact that the very first question that Deborah Jo Rupp asks her, just a legend in her own right, um, that 70s show forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, more I like her more as um, Phoebe's sister-in-law. But anyway. I like first, her first Jerry's question, uh, agent. Yeah. The first, <laughs> the first question that she asks is like, why don't you have any children? And then in episode two... Um, Agnes is like, well, Dottie's the head of the school admissions board. And Wanda's like, we're getting ahead of ourselves. And then the whole thing is for the children. It seems like to mm-hmm. me that Agatha or someone has put Wanda in this reality in order to get her to procreate, in order to get her to create some sort of, uh, you know, super powered life uh, that will probably be, you know, a Mr. Sinister vibe, a very like, right. I'm going to create a, a Nathan Summers to kill apocalypse kind of thing. Maybe. Well, Catherine Hahn would enter the picture in order to create um, Marvel's first gay character. Finally, so, <laughs> this is very important um, so for people at home. And for me, who is Agatha Harkness? Ooh, Brett, do you want this or you want me to take yeah, it? Yeah, so I'm I'm doing the crazy <laughs> thing of reading just a ton of Marvel comics right now just because I've never been 
super solid on like Vision Scarlet Witch lore, but Agatha Harkness was introduced as just as a fantastic four villain who she's a witch um, and she's an old ass witch. And she was originally introduced to be Franklin Richards babysitter. And so she's a witch whose primary job is like just being the babysitter and caretaker of uh, superpower babies. <laughs> and then, but then when she meets Scarlet Witch, it's at this time in the Avengers run in the early to mid seventies where Wanda's hex powers are not working. She doesn't really know how to control them. And Agatha's like, well, your name is Scarlet Witch. I can actually teach you witchcraft that might help you rein in your probability powers and help you funnel them. So Agatha jumps from being a Fantastic Four character to an Avengers supporting character, moves into the mansion, teaches Wanda a whole bunch of magic stuff. Um, She's never really, from what I understand, she's never really like a total like super villain, but she is very manipulative and just like creepy, creepy as hell. <laughs> See, yeah. I didn't even know. She, I didn't even know she was introduced as a villain. I always thought she was always just like a side, like good witch that helped Scarlet Witch. I mean, her vibe is like an anti-hero. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Was she one of those types of like characters where it's like maybe not a villain, but like every time she shows up, you know, some shit's going to happen. Yes. It's yeah, very, right. very that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so yeah, so I, there, the Agatha Harkness for me, I was only introduced to her because I started reading, I read X Men before I started reading anything else as a kid. So it was like I knew X Men, but I didn't know the other heroes. And then I like, I was like mid 90s Avengers when they all wore those like, you know, brown jackets with the A's on them. And it was like very weird, like C list characters with like two A list characters. Um, that's what I always think of when they're talking about the Eternals. I'm like, oh, that's the Circe I know is like the one that, you know, was overpowered and tried to kill them all and was dating Black Knight. Uh, but yeah, because she was she was always in and out of the comics then. Like yeah. they did a lot of with like High Evolutionary and like all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I so wait. So Stephanie, give me your give us your theory. What's your theory on what's happening with Wanda? I have two. Um, the first is that uh, Wanda has been kidnapped possibly again by Hydra and um, I don't know, like Sword or someone has found her and they're trying to break her out of what she's in. Uh, the second yeah. is that um, she that I mean, well, I don't even know if the second one holds up. Like, I just feel like she's been kidnapped by someone and Sword is trying to break her out. And I feel like um, Misfito is um, and I'm probably saying his name wrong, but the um the devil guy, uh, yeah. call his daddy yeah. Mephisto or whatever. Azazel, um, yeah, Azazel yeah. and Mephisto. <laughs> yes, um, Nightcrawler's daddy is uh, somehow involved, so they can tie it into uh, Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. So um, yeah, and then also I was thinking because I don't know if Monica has her powers yet, but if she does, um, if they're going to do something where she's able to like inter programs, like computer programs and stuff like that. Since she taps into um, the electromagnetic waves and can like change her frequency and all of that. So Mm -hmm. like, I'm wondering like, is Wanda there? No, Wanda is Monica there because of that. Um, Also, I kind of feel like is Agatha, if they aren't doing a bait and switch, is Agatha also a prisoner? So she's like playing both sides. So I'm all over the place. Clearly. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's very, (laughs) Okay, so wait, that's what I was thinking. I was wondering, um, I'm going to make a Angel reference here, but uh, so like, you know how in, wait, Adam, you didn't even watch all of Angel either, did you? I have watched the pilot. 
Okay, Brett, you have watched, watched all of Angel. Angel. <laughs> okay, so Brett, I was thinking five of, is the best season. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was thinking of Agatha as kind of like a Lila type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is how I was perceiving her in this, where like she's maybe also trapped, but also is playing both sides, but like isn't like evil, evil. Um, and my theory is that like the Ralph she keeps talking about is Mephisto or some kind of whatever the big bad will be. I feel like Ralph. Oh man, or, like, but I just I just like them doing that Ralph thing of this unseen husband, just like a Maris and a Vera and a, um <laughs> oh god, who else are those unseen ugly naked guy on Friends? I just oh, love that yeah. trope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should have named so, the beer June second. <laughs> so good. Although it's, I would love to see like uh, a little of column A, a little of column B, where the whole like season is just her going, hmm, it's Ralph again, and like <laughs> episode eight <laughs> tries to kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's but still so, maintaining that Ralph well yeah. we haven't talked about um, so episode one has the commercial break yes. which yes. so yeah. each episode has commercials um, and mm. someone pointed out this is not my own theory but like the first episode the commercial is this toaster and it's a Stark International toaster it's the only color we see in the entire first episode is the light blinks red and it sounds like a bomb ticking down and people have pointed out Scarlet Witch's parents were killed by a Stark in- Industries bomb. And that toaster, mm-hmm. like, it was like, oh, that seems like that's a metaphor for the bomb that killed her parents. So, like, there's yeah. this other layer of, like, her working through. And also in the, the episode two one is a Hydra Strucker watch, <laughs> which is very yeah, on right. the nose. <laughs> right. And I, I, I also read a theory that someone thinks that those might be like her parents that died yeah. from the bomb, like in the commercials. I think if so, like I wrote an article about this for work um, and I think the episode two commercial confounds that a bit because we don't know if her parents were involved in Hydra at all. And so, like, it seems more to me like my theory about them is they're just two other Westview residents who are just like they got cast as you're the commercial people. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's the role y'all are playing. Right. <laughs> but so okay so let's get to that dinner party so the mr hart and his wife are coming over for dinner that's what the date is although we kind of feel like maybe there's something else going on there they're coming over he's like you know your mean boss from sitcom and so the the dinner scene felt it was weird right because it was definitely like a sitcom trope of like whoops we're slip sliding around but also it was like stressful because you knew something else was kind of going on it was stressful um, it was honestly this dinner scene um was more stressful to me than like anything in like age of ultron or anything okay. like it was, it was completely because like it was something about the mounting Catherine Hahn refusing to leave and then like because it was it was it was one of these things and maybe i'm reading into it but like i love it they were they were taking the sitcom trope of like nonsense i'll just help out a little bit like and just and the refusal to leave like just and and like seeming like she kind of knew it was happening while you know you have these you have like characters that um you know both of those actors the mr hart and um uh and Catherine hunt are are just really just huge presences and in, in whatever they show up in um that it's just something about it just really kind of like ended up like yeah like you said like you knew yes this there is going to be something else happening here also because this was like towards the end of episode one and you something has to happen and then it did yeah oh. i i and i thought the 
I mean, I think that this was already like people already said this after that because it was in the commercial. The wine is like a reference to House of M because it's like translates to House of Corrupt or House of Misery. Mm-hmm. Um, the and I know that we had seen this scene in the trailer, so I was waiting for it. But like when the boss is yelling and yeah. she gets like confused, it is like fuck. And when, then, when he starts choking, and then uh, Deborah yeah. Joe Rupp is doing that, like stop it, stop it. Like she doesn't. She's uh, not dude. worried. It's so creepy. And Deborah Joe Rupp for Twin Peaks season four. Like I'm telling <laughs> you, like she, it was just this sort of like. Um, it's this people behaving in the way they're not supposed to, and scenes going on for three beats longer yes. than any than they should well and um, this this scene so when this happens the entire episode is a three camera you know three wall uh multi-cam traditional in front of a live audience thing but as soon as he starts choking uh you see behind vision which is the wall that you mm-hmm. haven't seen the entire episode but like so like the shooting style even suddenly like you said earlier with like it gets close up you're seeing the fourth wall which you should not see it completely goes into that surreal thing and it's ooh great and then as soon as he saves them they snap right back to it and it's like well we need to go and then Deborah Jarup does that really great joke of like the Sokovian goodbye I loved that callback that was so, <laughs> so funny yeah, yeah I the, so the I think Elizabeth Olsen does a lot of good like facial acting where like she doesn't say anything but like you can see the terror and dread just like building on her and so this is where, like, my House of M a little bit comes in. Like, I think the elements of House of M, because clearly this isn't all House of M, but I, like, the influence of, like, you know, like, he would have died if she didn't say Vision help him, and then Vision does the thing and, and saves him. But, like, I get the impression that Mrs. Hart knew that. Like, that's why she's, like, laughing, but, like, also looking at Wanda pleading, like, stop it, stop it. Like, because she knows Wanda can stop it, almost. And that's the kind of shit I love. That mm. for me, that was like the scene of the episode. Like I just, I love seeing that. I love that. Like you said, it snaps right back. They rush out of there, but like she still the she still feels a little panicked, right? Like I don't, I don't know if I was like mm-hmm. misreading it, but I felt like um, Mrs. Hart still felt panicked about what had happened. So she's like, "Well, we gotta go. Well, let's leave because I don't want us to die." Um, but then he's not in the next episode. Like she's sitting at a table by herself mm-hmm. in the next episode. Well, part of me is like, could they get Fred? Did what contract did Fred Melamed sign? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering I mean, like, as we progress into the other decades of sitcoms, because we are seemingly done right. with the '60s one. Um, and I love that the progression right. and the fact that they're going to keep changing too. Because um, like, what was? So when her and uh, Quicksilver were being tortured by Hydra, like, I just wondered if, like, the only TV they could watch was, like, I don't know. Like, I just imagine them having this black and white TV in the room, if they even had that, and a lot of American shows, and those would be sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm, like, I'm wondering, is that another reason? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, because, like, I, I think, for, like, I mean, it's it's how a lot of, like, like I, I think, like I think, I've heard this about like kind of Russian culture and all that. You know, there is sort of like that is the only like way for for a while. Like people kind of discovered American culture. That was like their only point of view of what Americans were like. Were through these very like st- you know strange sitcoms that are sort of like artificial. So like it it might even make sense that yeah, like she did construct this herself. Like it's a safe place, and that it was probably one of the few comforts she had during that early time. 
yeah, that's that's the impression I got that it was like this kind of the, the stuff she watched because she's not like she's not you know she's <clears throat> younger than me, so she wouldn't have been watching those shows, and she was like captured at a young age. Um, do they ever specify because when they were kids, the parents were killed by the Stark bombs, yeah, and they, they were, watched. Yeah. But like, when did? Baron Strucker kidnapped them. I think that. I mean, do we know? They were. I mean, that's right in Winter Soldier. So they're, you know, who knows? Like from the ages of ten to however old they're supposed to be, twenty five. Like, yeah, you I know, don't know how old they're supposed to be. <laughs> scrappy, scrappy little Sokovian uh, pickpockets or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so they, um, I guess, we're kind of. Oh, I. I did tear up when Vision and Wanda discuss like being a weird couple and then she makes them rings and he he says like they lived happily ever after. I'm like, I want Wanda deserves. She deserves happiness. Like just give her a fucking happy ending. But I know that however the show ends, I will be upset for Wanda. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay with, um, because Another way that I'm viewing the show, we only had two episodes, but I'm thinking of um, Avengers Disassembled. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking of this as an Avengers Disassembled, but like the writers actually care about Wanda. So <laughs> I'm okay if eventually the breakdown is just utter chaos and terrible for her, but at least we've gotten a reason to um, understand and have incentive to invest in her pain. Like it's just not her hurting because writers want her to hurt. Yes, you know, and that, Stephanie, you wrote a piece about that, um, about like Wanda's history. And I think about that a lot with Scarlet Witch and with um, Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it bothers me. Like, that's why for me, they never quite landed in the comics as much um, in the early days, because I didn't like that it was like, it kind of was just like, oh, these women have a lot of powers and they're like lady brains can't handle the powers. So crazy things happen. And I don't like love that kind of story. Um, and yeah, like I, and I like disassembled. I, I, I can remember like thinking yeah. how wild it was when Hawkeye died um, and all that shit. Um, and what is, I think she Hulk rips apart. Does she rip apart vision or Dracosta? Someone, right? Vision. I think vision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, like I love, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I like that shit, but I do. I like that. We're getting more of like, if, like you said, if if it does end with Wanda like creating chaos, at least we're getting her perspective and we're knowing why. Like we're seeing her trauma. It's not like a thing that happened and then we're going to reference it in two years. Um, it's like we're seeing her trauma and we're seeing it on her face, in her looks. We're seeing it in this like weird reality she's stuck in slash maybe created. Um, and yeah, that's the kind of shit I love. Like I would rather the heroes that have to, you know, do whatever with the chaos. I'd rather them be the outside characters and her be the like main character and they literally the are the outside characters. Like they, yeah. they're trying yeah. to get screen time and she's like, no, <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> so we end episode one on the beat of a sword agent watch, literally watching the show on a TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure. I will say, I also sat through the like eight minute credits. I was I, like, I was Oh, they're eight minutes. We ended with like freaking 11 minutes of credit. Like I, I, I don't know why I was so fooled by it because I was really like, I, I was tired. I was I was like, oh wow, great! It's like a twenty nine minute first episode, and then, like, it was over. <laughs> there was that bar had like way so much more to go. Yeah, it's oh, there's nuts. something here. Yeah, yeah. 
I definitely sent through all of them. So I was like, oh, there's totally enemy scene. There's no way the credits are actually this long, but the credits are that long. Um, but, I fast forwarded because I'm like, no, you all will not get me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I like that we ended on that. I thought that was a good way to end it with like, just so you're very aware, there is a larger thing going on here. Like there's not just like a hint of it. I like right. that. And I like that it's like, because in my brain, I was thinking like, oh, she created like a pocket universe or something. And they're like, maybe outside the universe watching it. But it's like, they're literally watching it on a TV. Um, so that like throws my theories kind of a little bit more up in the air. Where I'm not quite sure why they're watching it on TV. Right. Listen, I don't, I don't know about comics as, as much as the rest of y'all, but I, I'm like, I'm like, sure. What if, what if it's Mojo? This is the, let's, let's just do Mojo. <laughs> yeah. Let's just do it. I mean, this is that what is, if it's like not even like, oh, we're experimenting on her. It's just like, this is fun for people. This is fun for someone. This is just an <laughs> entertainment thing that someone's doing. They're just watching the really good show that Wanda created. Like, like people, like like they're fil- like they're filming Wanda's pain for the same reason that we, like, we, we've been like accusing you know them doing for so long, which is you know like getting enjoyment out of out of someone <laughs> grieving. But so that leads us to episode two. Um, episode two, they have that really like cutesy sitcom open, um, which I do like. It's very, uh, Brett, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very bewitched, right? Yeah, no, like in the opening of season of, of the second episode is so, uh, emblematic of how deep and artful and smart this show is deceptively, uh, <laughs> like what they're doing. Like, so the, the opening of episode two is very bewitched, but it is also specifically very showing how sitcoms progressed. The The symbolism of them being in twin beds that she then like slams together into one is literally showing in Dick Van Dyke show, they slept in two beds in bewitched. They slept in one and to actually turn that into a plot beat. That is so cool. Uh, yeah. I also, I, in my recap for episode two, I wrote about how bewitched, differs from Dick Van Dyke in that Dick Van Dyke is very much the Kennedy era. Like it debuted in 1961. Like there's a big Jackie O mm-hmm. influence on Mary Tyler Moore. Like it's very much like the Camelot era of sitcoms Bewitched debuted. Um, it ran from 64 to 72. So you're going from like LBJ to Watergate happens two months after Bewitched ends. So Bewitched is airing during this very tumultuous, the tumultuous sixties. And so I think it's intentional that the cold open of season of episode two is vision thinking that he hears prowlers outside. Like there's a, this threat of menace. Like there's no one, no one is going to do violence on them in episode one, but in episode two, he's like, I'm going to the neighborhood watch. She's going to start wearing pants. They're now sleeping in the same bed. Like it's so, so she's leaving the house. Yeah, like it, it's it's so cool and subtle how they're mirroring how sitcoms reflected the actual changes that were going on in the world around them. And also, y'all, Bewitched is a wild show that is super silly, but also was like, we're going to tackle racism and sexism, and it's going to be awkward in 40 years when people go back and watch it, but we fucking tried. So, <laughs> like, there are some episodes of that show that are real... Google sisters at heart. It, I, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, it's wild. <laughs> um, also, 
the Bewitch did go from color from black and white to color. Yes, that's the it? other beautiful thing about at the, okay, yeah. at the end of this episode where like Bewitch went to color in season three and the way they color vision at the end of this episode when it goes to color is that same type of flat matte like post colorization process that if you go back and watch the first two seasons of Bewitched now they've colored them in after the fact. And that's mm. the color palette they are using at the end of the episode when sh- it blooms. It's just great. I, this, this is the kind of shit that I just like scream about. <laughs> well, Brett, I have Googled sisters at heart and, and oop, I will say they, Oof, they, they, <laughs> yeah, we, the Wikipedia, it's so much to unpack because like, yeah, it, yeah, it's a whole thing. I'm gonna have to unpack this later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so we get the new opening credits, which I thought were really cute, which are like bewitched. Um, and I did read that. I, I I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice it in my rewatch that the Grim Reaper's helmet is mm-hmm. in the floorboard. Yep. Um, and all the that, all the brand names in the in the grocery store are references to Wonder Man, Bova. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Agatha Harkness. And apparently there's also a wizard um, statue or something yeah. in her. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I would love to do the honor of describing who Bova is because I loved Bova as a kid. Like I thought Bova was like, it was a cute fucking cow maid. I thought it was, I thought that she was like cute. And then she's like, if I am correct, she died at the hands of an evil Tony Stark. Um, at some point in the 90s, it was like an alternate universe Iron Man that was evil, and he shoots her in the head in the basement of the Avengers <laughs> Mansion, and that's like the end of an episode. Jesus. And like, kill this poor cow nursemaid. <laughs> it gets weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> Comics have been going on for so long. I mean, I'm, as, as a non-comic person, I will say I am gagged by how long and, and deep these roots go in so yeah. many strange directions. I love it. May this may I never be done learning <laughs> Well, especially with these two specific characters, like Scarlet Witch and Vision are two of the most complicated, interconnected, insanity like <laughs> there's, uh-huh. there's too much. Truly too much. <laughs> but so we move on. They gave them a new set and it is like that is the bewitched set too, the, right? The Brett? season one that God I keep saying season. The episode one is a Dick Van Dyke. So yeah. thoroughly like the kitchen is. And then this is almost literally the bewitched set. Um, the, the area that is the kitchen into the dining room, into the living room is, I don't know how they weren't sued. Like it's, just the same <laughs> it's crazy I, I mean disney has the money right yeah, they yeah, probably yeah. just like paid for hey we want to use the sets from these tv shows we're gonna pay for them um that's where those seven minutes of credits are going <laughs> <put them together. laughs> but uh so wanda and vision are practicing for the talent show um i think this is very charming and i also feel like Elizabeth Olsen updated her acting almost yes. like she, she's changing mm-hmm. per era. Right? She's doing yeah. Elizabeth Montgomery in this episode, whereas she was doing Mary Taylor Moore in the first one. Like it, it's, it's wild because she's doing, she's still Wanda. So she's the Wanda we know from all the movies, but she's laying on top of that. Mary Taylor Moore's like frantic panickiness that she did on Dick Van Dyke show. And then this one, she's layering on that, like kind of like, I'm I know what's going on and I know the score and I'm in over my head, but like that kind of Elizabeth Montgomery kind of thing. It's super masterful. She's really good. <laughs> Ugh. So she goes out, they practice for town show. Wanda 
Vision leaves um, to go meet the neighborhood watch group. Um, she goes, she hears a noise outside. She goes out. She finds this helicopter that's the same colors as Iron Man with the sword symbol on it. Um, which in my brain, what I immediately thought was, oh, like a real helicopter entered mm -hmm. whatever tried to like get in there. And that's what it turned into because like she said, no, like she didn't want it there. Get rid of it. It turns into a toy helicopter. Right. Um, um, so also, I, like, could we, could we, like, five seconds explain what sword is to me? Oh, <laughs> so, yes. Oh, Sentient um, world observation wait, or something? Wait, uh, Stephanie, Stephanie, you take this okay, one, because Brett and I, I have I done a lot of comics explaining. Yeah. Thank you so much. I just always thought of them of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, by extension. Um, but they do okay. other stuff like so it's like shield is more like you know earth-based stuff or whatever and then like sword does that too but but more like all the other stuff so wherever carol is flying to you know they're concerned about that okay cool thank you yeah and, they, and adam they premiered weirdly in x-men that was like their <gasps> in oh, okay. joss's joss's run on x-men was this where they first might be the very first bit of x-men lore to appear in a disney thing aside from just you know scarlet witch and quicksilver wholesale yeah. right yeah so very yeah. interesting so speaking um, of this so like real quick before we continue into that um was this in production before um the merger so like is there if, if there's x-men stuff in here is that like intentional or is it a wink like like are we are we uh, was this made with after. like intention of like cool we got this now i, I think like after. with intention yeah okay yeah, with intention all right. all right yeah um yeah because i think like i mean not i don't think they will but if they wanted to i think they would be allowed to have magneto in this somehow as their dad, or even if it's like, you know, a man with white hair that maybe yeah. was their dad. I don't know. Interesting. Um, okay. So Agnes brings her rabbit, Mr. Scratchy for Wanda to use oh. for their talent show. Oh, I have a theory about the helicopter too. Oh yeah. We think that's how Monica got in. Cause that's what oh. I was wondering if, because we don't see she's not in episode one. And if that, like that thudding overnight was obviously like the outside world trying to get in. And then that helicopter was like, is how Monica got in. And now she's as Geraldine wow. and her mind is all fucked up. Cause she, yeah, we'll get to that. But that's, that's, that was my theory. Huh. I like that. I didn't okay. even consider that and I like it. Yeah. I like it. I, I accept that. Theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what, what there, like what was there that thud before? Like, Cause I know there's the thud later with, with the, with the beak beekeeper person we'll get to that but was there a similar kind of thud is there is that like um kind of the arrival of something there was a thud before she went out to find the helicopter that's why she Got went it. outside yeah okay yeah. all right yeah. well that, that yeah blends and it sounds right. it sounds a little bit like a helicopter crashing in the distance mm. like it does kind of it makes like a something falling noise um very interesting but so Catherine Hahn comes with the bunny she is very Catherine Hahn. <laughs> the um, bunny played baby Jesus in the. <laughs> 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 oh. And she's bringing her to the, uh, what is the, the planning committee? Mm -hmm. What is it? I forget what they're officially called. Um, and she tells her about the queen bee of the cul-de-sac Dottie, who is Emma Caulfield, our beloved Anya from Buffy. Emma Caulfield, um, Emma Caulfield and bunnies again. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. I so like watching this the first time, not knowing that she was in it. It did take me a while to be like, "Wait, is that her?" Because, and I thought that was very perfect for Emma Caulfield because 
on Buffy, they changed her hair so often so that it was always hard to tell. <laughs> Wait, is that a- okay? No, that's on you. Like, so it was like, once again, here she is with a different, very distinctive hairstyle. <laughs> and I feel like they put her in the exact same hair. Like she was emanating the energy of um, Anya's season seven flashback to the musical episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh my oh, yeah. God. Yeah. That yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wig was worse though. Yeah, right. This wig was better. Yeah, this <laughs> was like, like ringlets and <laughs> not quite healthy feeling. Um yeah, so I I was so glad to see Emma. I was so glad. She's really good casting for this. I mean, a lot of the I, I always say the women on Buffy have the range, and Emma Caulfield especially has the range. Um so I'm just glad to see her in something like this. Like, I don't know, man. Put put Samish or Geller in Marvel Universe 2, like, uh-huh. give, give these ladies their due. Um, but she is great, and she immediately, like, her and Catherine Hahn are such good characters, like, such big characters, um, that I think the, like, seeing the women all meeting, um, and her, like, the way she's just, like, perfect and mean and icy is just, ugh, I love it. Um, and so I wanted to ask all of you guys, is is Wanda's outfit like not out of not in time with the rest of them or was it kind of like they're meeting at a place where people wore both i mean like is it like i think that is emblematic i wrote like so uh, that's emblematic of like how sitcoms were being done at the time like it's actually kind of a dick van dyke holdover because when that show started they were like well mary tyler moore you're obviously going to be vacuuming and stuff in pearls and a gown every and she was like i want to wear pants and it was Mm. her her capri pants were incredibly controversial in 1961 and and they were like the deal was you can have pants for one scene like but she fought for it and and so by the time elizabeth montgomery comes along on bewitched like she's wearing pants all the time so elizabeth wanda wearing pants in this episode is very much like a plot point i think like a a sitcom signifier if you will okay okay mm-hmm. they pointed out they <laughs> yeah i mean yeah they literally say it um so then we we get our monica reveal i was also very happy to see her i think that actor is yeah, i mean i i we haven't seen her monica monica I yet i love her so much yeah. Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I just was just thinking because um, Survivor's Remorse, I don't know if you all ever watched that, but it came on Stars. It was like LeBron James production or whatever. Um, but she's in that um, series of very heavy, like she's a main part of the main oh. cast or whatever. And she is phenomenal in it. Um, and another reason why I was so happy when she was casted as Monica, because I'm like, yes. Her energy is just perfect for Monica Rambeau in so many ways. Um, and if anybody watched Survivor's Remorse, like you, you can, you should have been very happy when that announcement was made. And then look, now we got Monica and uh, her as Monica, and I'm like, wow, please y'all let them be friends. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just want them to be friends. Well, I I remember when they cast Lashana Lynch as Maria, and after watching Captain Marvel, I was just like. So they can just cash Lashana Lynch's 
Monica, right? Like, cause right. Like, she, like the, that one, like she's on screen for five minutes talking to Brie Larson and I'm crying. I'm just like yes. that monologue yes. about how much she missed her friend got me. Um, but then when they cast Tiana Paris, cause I love her from Mad Men. Like I yeah. love Don Chambers. I love those last three seasons of Mad Men. It's my, my favorite show. And then yeah. I was always like, she deserves a Marvel something. And I wanted her to be <laughs> Misty Knight. And now I am very glad that she's part of the real Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Misty Knight. I love Simone Missick and I loved Misty Knight and I wish that they had done her justice. <laughs> so, you, you, you didn't want her to be a Law & Order character? Oh, God, I, I, yeah. Iron Fist Season 2 was actually good. <laughs> it's oh, boy. Hot, hottest take. Oh, uh, hot take. I did not watch Season 2 of that. Um, But so, <laughs> I, so, what do we think? So I was like trying to read if Monica was pretending because she's in this universe where like you gotta pretend or she was confused because she like stumbles on her name and I couldn't tell if it was like her trying to think of a lie or her like confused. Like how did we read that? I'm, and I know it's probably supposed to be ambiguous. I'm reading all of this as she is having major issues recalling anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, I, I feel like if that is an accident, it's a silly accident because they are, everything else has been so purposeful in, um, Anytime, like pretty much anytime anybody asks her something directly, um, yeah, at all, like is, is just, um, it's an A plus moment. I, I love it every time, every time she's like, I don't really know. Like I, it's, it's, it just gets me. I'm, I'm, I'm really living for the energy of, um. Also the fact that her name is Geraldine. I was like, yeah, you you definitely don't remember much of anything, and you are grabbing at straws. Um. <laughs> it's a real Randy Giles moment. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, and you know what, Stephanie? I was hoping that too. I really, what you said is like, I want them to be friends, and I was like, I hope she's there to help. Like, I want it to be like, they can team up together or something. I don't want it to be like, I don't know. Like, I, And it seems like she's at at least in this universe version of whatever universe they're in, she's at least going to be like Wanda's like friend more. So like Catherine Hahn, as you mentioned from the first episode, Adam, when she's like insistent upon staying, even though she shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. she's kind of like a friend that's annoying. Yeah. And I think Monica slash Geraldine will maybe be the friend that's not annoying. And will like maybe help her quote unquote realize things. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's real. Like, I mean, again, Catherine Hahn is, is just, oozing with that Ruth Gordon Rosemary's baby vibe where just anytime mm-hmm. there's like a neighbor who's like I'm here again it's me it's like oh gosh something's happening um, <laughs> but like yeah definitely just by, just by virtue of just you know Monica slash Geraldine it seems to like have it's going into the Lynch verse um, nothing is I mean for those who are not like super as familiar with Lynch as, as um, they are with uh, like comic stuff. Like it's it's all every movie is um, an identity crisis, and nothing is really ever fully explained, which is why it's not people don't fully love them. Uh, not everybody <laughs> fully loves them. Um, is that uh, there's never really a super moment of clarity. A lot of it is just very intuited, um, and uh, this seems to be really much in vibe with that. Where it's not just like in Mulholland Drive. Um, Naomi Watts's character has an identity crisis where she thinks she's Betty, but she's also this woman, Diane, but she's also maybe, is she in the story? Is she controlling it? Is she, is it someone controlling her? Is it her own trauma dream? But then there's, there's like other people who are experiencing it as well. So that's, it's almost like this shared dream delusion. Um, and that seems to be super pulsing through this in that it's um, uh, like 
uh, Emma Caulfield's character seems to be experiencing it as well. Like there's multiple characters who are having these, who are you, who am I out of body moments. Um, And we can see that in the trailer. Like one of my favorite moments from the trailer is, is, is Monica being asked directly who she is if she doesn't know. I mean, again, like it's, we're going into very titillating places and I'm very excited for the show to keep going. Um, So you mentioned, and I, I got to talk about my favorite scene is, well, wait, before we get there. So then we see vision in the neighborhood watch meeting, which he learns is kind of like them just eating pastries. I love the subversion Um, of gender roles there because he goes to like, it's the neighborhood watch meeting. He sits down and is like, so do you have like, do you work with the police? Do you like, he basically does like an Avengers briefing. And then they're like, (laughs) basically you find out, no, they're there to like eat donuts and gossip. gossip And they get all like, Ooh, like I love it. <laughs> it's so great. Because <laughs> they are literally like the housewives getting together to be like, ooh, did you hear so and so? Right. So you got like Dottie like assigning roles and she's like, you this, that, and she's like, like it, it's so great. It's oh so my great. god, yeah. Th- the women's meeting is more like a neighborhood watch meeting, and then their meeting oh, is more shoot. like a planning committee. Oh my god. Well, I mean, it felt like like again, Emma Caulfield was running my my worst nightmare <laughs> job interview ever. Where she's like, I just really like to try and fix it. And then she just goes, mm-hmm, and how'd you do that? Like asking for like a concrete example of how she'd fix her fucking problem. And I was just like, I had so much residual like flashback from like 7 million terrible job interviews. Um, but so, so we get the, he accidentally eats gum because he, we get the mastication masturbation joke, which I did like. Uh, well, we also get that great, um, yeah. oh, I don't eat. I mean, between meals, I don't eat. Like, it's so... I love them them basically realizing, oh, Vision doesn't eat. Let's make that the thing. The only thing. And I love that. He just makes so many... They they leave no stone unturned with these old sitcom, Uh, hammy, nothing jokes that are... There's something so nice about it. There's that. Yeah. I meant that. Um, like something clear, and then no one picks up on it. It's it's just like it was even like these like mis- these these classics that come misunderstandings. I think it happened even in the first episode where they do the thing where somebody asks them a question that they, they don't know the answer to. It's like like I think they were asking like oh who who's who is that neighbor who just walked in and they go mm-hmm. and they say like two wrong things that are opposite and then they switch and both say each other's wrong yep. thing again. Like yeah. it's. <laughs> I'm just so happy that they did it this way. <laughs> See, Adam, this will be very, very, very different from our summer of X Men. <laughs> this is great. No, it's great. Well, it has a point of view, it has a plot, very, a character, clear and consistent point of um, view. So we get right. we get the scene of that the the guy slaps him on the back as he like puts gum in his mouth just to chew, and then he accidentally swallows it. I do think. Now, I'm not sure about, did they actually ever do that in Bewitched? Because it did feel like a very sitcom thing of the time to like, well, we can't do it, so we're just going to make it an animation. Was that like a thing Bewitched ever did, Brett? No, I've never seen that. I think that that seems more like a charming thing that they just did for this. Because I can't. Right? Don't you think? Uh, Nothing. I mean, it fit because it was one of those like mid-60s mystery science theater, like um, how-to videos, like. (laughs) <laughs> the inside of your body. But so after that, we cut back to what I think is one of the best scenes of Dottie and Wanda while Help Me Rhonda is playing on the radio, which, you know, I feel like is purposely because it sounds like Help Me Wanda. 
Um, and this is kind of where I was like, oh shit, is Dottie like I at first I was like, oh, Dottie might be like kind of in cahoots with like Catherine Hans Agnes, but then I was like, oh wait, I think Dottie's just trapped there too. Because Emma yeah. Caulfield's acting is so good yeah. in the scene. Well, like she starts getting actual like panicky yes. and it's just like, wait, who are like because that voice starts coming through and that like the static on the radio like triggers it's almost like the control is broken and then she right. sn- shatters the glass and you see her red blood. Ugh, like it's so super good. Cool. And like I'm pretty sure we talked about this before. I'm pretty sure it's Jimmy Woo's voice on the speaker, the guy from Ant-Man, who is probably an agent of shield, uh, agent of sword now. Um, who's like, Wanda, who's doing this to you? And then when she smashes that glass and uh, the like crumbs of trauma we get on Wanda's face are just so fucking good because she's confused. She's upset. Mm-hmm. And Dottie goes right back into the sitcominess where she's like, Ooh, how does a housewife do this by herself? And like, ugh. That scene yeah. is so fucking good. And I, that like, I, I mean, haha, Ian has a lot of feelings, but like, I definitely teared up in that scene. So I was like, fuck, everyone's like experiencing such like awful trauma and like revisiting it and like remembering terrible things all at once. Pleasantville wishes. It really <laughs> did. Like, it, like, it really, like, it's delivered. And, and it's just, it's one of these things where I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm over praising the show so far, but like, it's, it does, like, I would, the show would feel way less special to me if they were way more winky, jokey, jokey, cutesy, aware of the sitcom stuff versus the channeling it. It feels like it is of the time. It is not a 25 minute long parody. It's not an SNL sketch stretched out. Like they're just doing everything. (laughs) Like all this stuff can, can bounce off of it because there's this craft, like they're using the right lighting. They're using like Mm -hmm. fishing wire to make things move. Like they're not taking any shortcuts. And I think that that authenticity is coming through and that allows these like twilight zone moments to really like bounce off. Like the twilight zone moments are bouncing off a solid foundation of them genuinely doing these 1960s, seventies, eighties shows. It doesn't feel cynical at all. It doesn't feel yes. cute. It doesn't feel cynical. It feels great. And am I incorrect? Like maybe it was my sound system, but like, um, at least in the first episode, I feel like they're using like sound from that era a little bit as well. Mm. Like it, it there, there, there's like a tinny feeling yeah. um, to a lot of like, the, it doesn't feel like, like when they, because when they do jump into these moments where there's some self awareness or the outside world is punching through, um, the sound becomes a lot more like lush and present. All right, Stephanie, now give us the briefing on the commercial that we get. So this one is what? What commercial is in this one? It's the watch. And the the watch. Okay, the watch. with the stuck. So yeah. when that happened, straight chill down my spine because I'm just like, okay, well maybe she has been kidnapped. Um, because that, that whole watch and mm-hmm. again, thinking about her and her brother being kidnapped and experimented on. And I'm just like, is like, what's triggering that? Like, I know that the whole, uh, with the, the first commercial yeah. and the, the first one, um, you know, Tony Stark, uh, her parents being cure, killed by, um, Stark industry stuff, but that just really, I don't know, like stressed me out because I'm like, what is triggering? What would trigger that? And the way that commercial is done, it's done in the way that commercials would be done um, during that time. Oh, man, they are just, someone did their homework. That tagline, too, is also, it's like the Strucker. Like, he'll make time yeah. for you. And it's like, oh, yeah. so Strucker alive. Is Strucker, is Hyder not gone? Um, 
It also just shows how great Winter Soldier was that just seeing that Hydra logo again, I immediately had this feeling of like, oh shit. Like, it was like, oh no. Yeah, I I thought that was, I didn't quite, watching the first episode, I like, full disclosure, I was like, huh, I noticed that light is red, but I didn't quite make the connection of, I forgot that like, that they the the bomb that was like Tony Stark's weaponry yeah. that killed their parents. I had like forgotten about that because I have not revisited Ultron as often as other Marvel movies. But I immediately with this, I was like, shit, like this is like Hydra. This is like Strucker who was like whatever. And like, I don't know. I thought this one was more like, you, you know, yeah. that it's bad. <laughs> so Vision shows up to the talent show drunk. I do always appreciate a drunk bit on any kind of show i mean those were my favorite yeah. episodes of parts and rec when they had to make them all drunk uh, brett speak on paul bettany's acting he an emmy nomination like straight yes. up i don't understand <laughs> how he has a right to <laughs> and again this is another one of those things where lesser actors would be playing it at a 15 whereas bettany is doing it at like the 10 yeah. that you need like he's tossing away a lot of those lines like when he's like shoe horse horseshoe horseshoe like that it's it's just a a total marvel it's the the command of his physical of his physicality as he's doing all of it is so smooth and smart and it's just so great to see them realize that paul bettany is charming in real life and funny in interviews and actually giving vision all of those traits and it feels still like vision for me that it's gone a little a tad too long but i liked it I, I thought their acting is really good i liked her because it's doing the weird thing of like he's drunk so he's kind of like forgetting they have to pretend so he just like really flies yeah. and like she has to talk. I like I like that shit of like her slip sliding around to use her powers to cover up for him using his powers in to this make it like, look like yeah <laughs> in this like weird sitcom universe where like those powers don't really exist quote unquote. I love I love the the so the two moments like the townspeople like that that was my grandmother's piano that's a great line and then the one where he's like I'm gonna pass the hat through myself and they show the mirrors and the one person is like is that yeah. how mirrors work shut up Bev <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um that made me think of uh emma caulfield's like take it easy joan delivery that's what i thought of when she's like shut up bev (laughs) yeah i liked i i I did like all that and i liked when um monica slash geraldine is like i gotta ask you i was in the back and suddenly in that box and they're just like "Mm, we'll never tell and she's like all right (laughs) (laughs) so she wanda kind of thinks they're gonna lose she has them sneak off but then uh dotty comes up and gives them the award for most hilarious show they come home and we get like a, a very like we end on a nice moment of well end it's not quite over yet but we're ending the like plot on a nice moment of like touches her belly you find out she's pregnant which my baby wiccan ah yeah. so wait so also i wanted to talk stephanie and brett i wanted yours your opinion on so in the comics we know that the twins happened, but then unhappened, and we didn't get Young Avengers for, like, what? Like, 15 years? Do we think that's kind oh, yeah. of what will happen here, or do we think it will be sped up and we will get the Young Avengers? We're getting Young Avengers, like, next. I mean, like, they're they're introducing, uh, you know, they've cast all these, like, A-list hot teen actors and young adult actors to play Kate Bishop, right. Cassie Lang, <laughs> Miss America, and now, like, Tommy and Billy. I'm, 
wouldn't put it past them to introduce kid yeah. Loki in the Loki series. Um, there have been yeah. rumors that Patriot might be in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like Kang, Kang is coming. So is Iron yeah. Man. Like weirdly, my thing is that this is like so stupid, but I kind of want other Avengers to be to exist before the young Avengers exist. That's like my only, like, I'm like, I don't want the X-Men to be the same age as the young. Like I want other heroes to be older than the young Avengers. I wish Wanda, not Wanda, but Wonder Man was in this. Yes. I wish he was in this so much because I feel like Wonder Man is just so integral to Wanda and Vision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Vision is Wonder Man. So, um, so to speak or whatever. So, um, to the, to your point, yes. Like I just, I wish Wonder Man was there. Yeah. It's just like things like that. Like clearly I will not be upset with the young Avengers being introduced because I love them, but I just wish we had more, you know, that killed the three main, they killed three of our main Avengers already. I kind of wish we had more heroes because the young Avengers are like, you know, the like young versions of these heroes and there'll be the young versions of like the only heroes we have. Mm-hmm. So I, I just kind of wish we had a bigger cast for them to interact with and them to be the younger versions of. Yeah. But like, clearly mm-hmm. that's fine because I will cry when we see Wiccan and be so happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, you know, she, we find out she's pregnant. They hear another noise. They go outside and this scene is so fucking good. We see this, Man in a hazmat slash beekeeper suit come out of the sewer. I know a lot of people said that he's a reference to AIM, but he clearly has a yes. sword yeah. logo on his back, so he can't be AIM, right? And there's a Hydra commercial in this episode. So it's like, because the in doing all this research, like Baron Strucker created AIM as an offshoot of Hydra. So the fact that they had a commercial yeah. with... Strucker and Hydra in the same episode as a beekeeper, which is how we always make fun of AIM, but then he has a sword logo on. It's like, I do not know what is happening. <laughs> yeah. I, and her just saying the the like the dread on her, like it's like she realizes that this is wrong, right? And she's just like, no. And then it just fucking we don't pause, we just go right back. I loved that. That like gave me chills. Yeah. Like she knows, like, like she knows why she's here and she's yeah. not ready to do this. She needs to do more sitcom bullshit. Yeah. This yeah. is why this is this is why I wrote my review the way I did, which was way too personal, um, about how the only thing this show could be is sitcoms, because sitcoms, especially classic sitcoms, are what we use uh to escape trauma, to us yeah. to to hide, to because they are half hour slices where things work out like um you like in this episode specifically wanda gets a house she has a husband she gets a kid like she gets pregnant at no cost like there's no and wanda is the avenger that has had to pay the mm-hmm. most like she mm-hmm. lost her parents she lost her brother she <laughs> joined the avenger she lost vision and casting it her as a sitcom lead in this moment it just clicked with me of like this is this is how we exist i turn on msnbc i feel overwhelmed in, in dread and then i'm like i'm gonna fucking watch cheers like <laughs> that's right. what this is and and to see it actually articulated so artfully uh in that moment and over the course of these two episodes it um spoke to my soul in a way uh i don't know there's a lot going on in the world <laughs> and then having this show this week was a good thing but also just kept me emotionally drained so <laughs> very fair um all right so now we're we're at the end so we're gonna um favorite outfit from the first episode stephanie 
um, her Elizabeth secrets, um, you know, come and get this vision. I'm here to set it out for you. I loved it. Uh, Brett. Uh, I really like visions necktie. Oh, you would. It's got those like two dots <laughs> with the squares around it. I'm like, I'm into the accessories game on this show. Right. You need more of them. You need to make, but not the Strucker watch. I'm not going to wear a Strucker watch. <laughs> yes. No, please don't. Uh, Adam. Um, I like, uh, Catherine Hans, um, Agnes, uh, like, I I like that they styled her, like, there's such a difference between how you would style, um, like, uh, uh, like Lucy and Ethel, like Mm -hmm. you style them differently. Like they definitely gave her the sidekick dress. Like it's, it's small little thing, but it's just like the, the darker color with the, with the dot. Like it just seems to be, yeah, I was, I was very taken. Favorite scene from that first episode, uh, Brett. Um, I really loved, um, I think I laughed the most vision at the office interacting with like, you know, I'm, I'm a carbon based person with <laughs> organs, just like you carbon based employee. I thought he was so <laughs> good. He even chews his nails the same way Dick Van Dyke would chew his nails on the Dick Van Dyke oh, show. Shit, and when man. I realized that it blew my mind, <laughs> Adam, uh, yeah, I think it would be, um, Deborah Jarep's, uh, response to her husband's show. Okay, yeah. Um, I think it was exactly just super- Anytime, Ian, you're like, that went on way too long. I was like, not long enough. Yeah. Like, just my speed. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. I knew I was in for something good. Uh, Stephanie? Um, I think I really love the opening, not, not the opening, but the first scene between uh, Vision and Wanda where they're, like, setting the tone for the show. Um, and mm-hmm. they're, like, going through, like, what's this date? And there's no food in the fridge. It's okay because you don't eat anyway. Um, I just, I love that because I'm like, wow, y'all are committing. um so i realized i forgot to say my favorite outfit was wanda's dress in that first episode i really liked it my favorite scene is yeah the like him choking and mrs hart being like stop it but like pleading and wanda being like vision save him that was so good all right grade for the first episode i'm probably gonna give it the lowest grade but it's not a bad grade i give it a a a straight b adam what grade do you give it d Oh, B, B. I, was, I was like, you have not <laughs> rated any Fire me horrible for my own movie lower than a C. So <laughs> I would say re- restart the podcast. <laughs> what grade do you I give it at? A minus. Okay. Uh, Stephanie? I'm giving it an A. Uh, Brett? A plus. Ooh, okay. I figured out how the lowest grade. And for the second episode, um, favorite outfit, mine is Dottie slash Emma Caulfield's uh, 60s dress. I loved her. I loved her whole look. Um, Stephanie, what's your favorite? Um, I like Wanda's uh, magic show um, costumes. Like, yes, give us bodies. <laughs> uh, Brett? Uh, Vision's cardigan at the end. Give me some cardigan action. <laughs> the green. <laughs> a- Adam? Um, I love uh, Wanda's uh, just neighborhood watch outfit that just sort of like mid 60s sort of uh relaxed cash right. um favorite scene from the second episode stephanie uh between wanda and um geraldine when they first they're trying to get through this meeting and they want to talk shit about that woman but they just kind of rein it in <laughs> uh brett the magic the magic act paul that needs is so good he'll win a <laughs> golden globe maybe not an emmy but he'll get he'll get a golden globe nomination Adam uh I would I would probably say any any scene between um uh Wanda and um Dottie 
Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene is the Wanda and Dottie scene where they hear all, they hear him over the speaker and smashes. I just ugh, seen so gotta good. Gotta be Emma Caulfield. Yep. I got yeah. I gotta stand. Gotta. You know she deserves. Right. I right, know we're gonna grade the episode. Episode two. Brett, what grade do you give it? Uh, a. Okay. A or A minus. I'm um yeah. <laughs> Stephanie. That's funny because I'm giving this one an A plus. <laughs> Adam, I said A plus as well. I I give this one an A. Yes. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. So, what would you all, Brett? You go first. What would you like to see moving forward for the show? I, I want to see Aaron Taylor Johnson. I don't like. I want quick. It is so wild to me that Quicksilver is such a hilariously major character in the comics, especially in terms of Wanda's. And I do love that we've gotten, you know, five, six solid years of Wanda characterization where they totally forget that she has a twin brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it would be super cool to just see him as a, as a, you know, dream nightmare or something. I don't think we need the character to come back to life, but it would mm. be cool to see him again. I mean, now that you said that, fuck, now I'm like, well, that's all I want to see now, too, because he should be a neighbor in the neighborhood. Uh, Stephanie, what would you like to see from the show moving forward? I want more Monica. That's mm-hmm. all. Just give me more Monica and I'm good. <laughs> Adam? I'm ready for the Catherine Hahn uh, villainy, anti-heroiny uh, moments to kind of keep piling up. I'm ready right. for some more sin. I'm ready for more sinister. Okay, that's that makes sense. Um, thank you all for joining us for this first episode of WandaVision. I'm really excited to cover the show. Yes. And thank you all for listening. If you like Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also find us on social media at SlayerFestX98 and on YouTube. And you can support the podcast on Patreon, where you get access to mini episodes um, and our private Facebook group, and really helps keep the podcast going. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ian X Carlos. Brett, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and at Brett White. Um, <clears throat> sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I also have a classic sitcom podcast, Must Have Seen TV, um, that is on a bit of a hiatus right now because the world is falling apart and I'm uh, cripplingly depressed a lot of the time. But you can go and listen to me talk about old sitcoms there and read all of my WandaVision coverage at Decider because it is so in depth that I am uh, giving myself migraines. <laughs> Uh, yes, I think uh, Slayer Fest 98 this week has become the Brett White promo <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. Twitter feed. Oh. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Steph underscore I underscore Will. And because it is connected, I would like to plug that I'll be making my Marvel debut with the Monica Rambeau story in um, Marvel Voices Legacy out next month. I believe the 24th or it might be the 17th. It's one of the Oh, yeah, shit. me either. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Adam, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Sass. You can also visit my website, adamsassbooks.com. Uh, my young adult thriller debut, Surrender Your Sons, came out in September. Uh, and uh, watch this space because more stuff is coming soon. But uh, yeah, that's it for now. All right, cool. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.